Hello and you're very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I'm joined by father and son duo Michael Gilsonen, Managing Director, and his son Jack, Senior Dispensing Optician from Lee Opticians. This is actually our first father-son duo. So Michael and Jack, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Great. Well, thank you, sir. It's lovely to see you. Now, before we begin, I'm just going to give a little bit of background on Michael, Jack and their family business. So Lee Opticians are an award-winning family business with modern practices in Warren Point, Cross McGlen and Camla. They have just celebrated 75 years in business and have state-of-the-art technology to offer the highest standard of professional service. So Michael has been in business for over 40 years and is recognised for being the first optician optometrist in Ireland to gain a school vision diploma. He also runs a visual stress clinic where he sees and treats children who are underachieving in education. So we'll be chatting a little bit more about that. Now, Jack has been working for his dad as the senior dispensing optician for the past seven years, although qualified for the past 10. The whole team at Lee Opticians are dedicated to providing a personal, caring, high quality service in a friendly patient driven practice where the focus is definitely on you. So, Michael and Jack, it is so lovely to, to, to be with you today. I want to ask you a little bit about the Lee Opticians, first of all. Where does that name come from? Okay. Um, <clears throat> the, the Lee originally was uh, a Michael Lee um, who uh, started up business originally as a pharmacist. And somewhere along the line, he converted to, or he did a... Um, um, an ophthalmic qualification where he was able to train as a uh, train and provide a service as an optician. So um, he opened up a place in Newry and Warren Point. And uh, towards the end of his retirement, um, I started working with him. And he offered me a partnership before he retired. And then that's how that's what uh, that's how it started. He. Michael Lee was a very dapper man. Um, mm -hmm. Very often he would come in to work with a, a mustard suit with a, a, a daffodil in his lapel. I love and it. So he was a very, um, very dapper man. So and uh, loads of character and personality. And what did you learn from him? Um, I think I probably um, he, he was just a very good communicator with everybody and I suppose the best thing that I that he taught me was to be exactly the same with everybody, mm. you know, regardless of who they were or their social status or whatever. So that's <clears throat> probably what I would like to think I was and probably I know Jack is the same. Absolutely. And so, Michael, what I suppose drove you into this industry in the first place? Um, I suppose my own um, poor sight as a child uh, was the, the um, I had a, a, a squint as a child and I was in and out of, um, first of all, I got a, an operation was when I was uh, seven. And then I really in and out of opticians all, all my life. And um, whenever I 
came to do my A-levels. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I came across a course, Dispensing Optician, which was in London. And I applied for it and I got on the course. And that's basically how I started. Isn't that so interesting that it took something that happened to you as a child? Um, And that operation, I'm sure, at that young age, that must have been quite traumatic, was it? Um, Well, squint operations, you know, when you're seven or eight years of age, probably would have been more traumatic then it's it's not so much now but um it, it's uh it's one of these it's one of those things that a lot of children sort of have uh, in their in their early years but it can be you know children even nowadays that uh, you know when i'm working with them it can, it can be a reason why it can hold them back in school work and so forth that maybe isn't isn't looked at enough yeah i absolutely want to come back and talk mm-hmm. to that a bit more because it's lovely that you're doing yeah. that and it's amazing how that early intervention yeah. um and, and and the correct in the correct manner and correct way can probably yeah change the future for that young person so first of all uh, let's talk to your son Jack Jack you followed into your uh, into the business and followed your father's footsteps why I think just something it was definitely um, just growing up uh, dinner times and just hearing uh, hearing how dad's day went and definitely more like more so when he started the clinic that he does with the school vision, took a, an interest in that, and um, as sort of probably about fifteen or sixteen, uh, went in actually on a Saturday just uh, into the workshop to make the glasses, um, and always felt that I was sort of helping him out and stuff like that. So that that's where the interest sort of started. Really, was he Michael? Yeah, well, at least he proved very, uh, very worthwhile for us to have. And um, even now, he's he's been fantastic asset to the business, not only to help with me, but as a business going forward. So very delighted to have him. And Jack, whenever you come in and you bring that youthful exuberance, um, what do you see? as the things that you need to be moving towards? What do you help your dad with in terms of modernising the business? Um, probably just, well, probably one thing that I've taken a big um, approach with um, within work is actual stock um, frames. I went in, uh, not that there was anything wrong with what was there in the first place, but I thought, you know, I nowadays, you know, brands are a big thing with within optics. There's there's your brands such as Pradas and your Gucci's, but there's also brands that would only be fairly well known within optics, mm-hmm. um, which we had a lot of. But I thought a bit more brands, and um, and we definitely see that now with um, more people interested in the brands more so than the not so well known brands it's big business um it's one of those things you know people are still needing glasses and they've become such a fashion accessory nearly those who who don't need glasses are wishing that they did but how do you stand out from your competitors especially because we've got a cost of living crisis at the minute and it's not cheap when you need glasses no i think that's where we you know fall in quite nicely actually is that you know, we, we would offer a very um, very much 
patient first approach. Um, you know, we're very, um, our service, you know, very personal. Um, and I feel that we would have, you know, we're a place that would have an option for all sort of levels of budget um, through complete NHS stuff or to the people who fancy treating themselves prescription sunglasses and um but I definitely from for, from when I first started I definitely see how one to one we are um with with our patients. And that's lovely and that really comes across, Michael. Yeah. It does and um we also have to be very grateful for our entire staff who um from the moment sort of people go in through the front door they're greeted by a very competent and uh, capable receptionists and we try our best all the staff try our best for the business and um, and I know <coughs> um, you know from the point of view of professional staff the clinical staff and reception staff um, we would feel that we have staff that's second to none I mean, there are other opticians out there that are offering all sorts of things like two for one. And yeah. is, is that, do you feel that pressure? Um, yeah, you definitely do feel the pressure. Um, it's, but I think it's, we've never really tried to compete against, you know, we've just stuck to our guns and tried to provide a good professional service. Um, we've kept up to date with um, equipment um, and as Jack was saying that our, um, our a stock of frames um, and it's also very good to have somebody like Jack coming in who's very young and enthusiastic and as you get older it's harder to, um, to, to you know to put the enthusiasm into a business um, you know it's very hard nowadays in, in, in business to to be on top of everything so it's great to have um, it's great to have help, useful help. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more uh, about the work that you do with young people. As I said in the introduction, you were recognised as being the first optician or optometrist in Ireland to gain a school vision diploma. How did that come about? Um, well, I suppose going back about 20 years ago, I, I always sort of took an interest in um, children who were sort of underachieving in, in school. And that really came from maybe number one, myself. Um, and secondly, I would be very often asked by parents, is there nothing you guys can do to help their their children because they knew they weren't doing as well as they, they, they should have done? And then uh, after that, we opened up a, what we call a visual stress clinic where we would see children who are um, underachieving because of maybe undetected visual issues. Um, and does that work on a referral basis or do the parents bring the children? Um, well, I suppose over a period of time it has been word of mouth, but it can be other optometrists from teachers, occupational therapists, uh, speech and language therapists. Um, I can't really say, I suppose the, the most referral direction would be from word of mouth really um, over a number of years. So tell us exactly, sorry I interrupted you there, You the visual stress clinic, how does that work? So um, when um, 
a young person gets their eyes tested, um, there would be a sort of a like a, a battery of tests that would would be done to make sure the health of that child's eyes is good. Um, secondly, to um, to detect any long sightedness, short sightedness, which would be the standard thing if you needed glasses. And thirdly, to make sure the muscles of your eyes are working well. But there are a number of other um, visual issues like um, eye movements and how the eyes work together. Uh, we mentioned earlier on about squints. Um, a child that has undetected visual issues uh, will be at a, a disadvantage and in some cases a significant disadvantage with other children in school. And I suppose to further that, there's very poor communications between our profession and the education profession. So if a child can't see properly, he's not going to learn properly. So that's really the, um, so the assessment that I do is, is, is not an eye test as such, it's an eye test plus other things. And how much has this changed from, I'm thinking years ago, you know, you would have had a school nurse and people came in and was did they look after the eye tests as well in school and has that gone completely now no it hasn't gone um when a child goes into primary school they will be seen by a school nurse and mainly they definitely will be looking for uh squints um and lazy eyes but it's not an eye test now the the, the school nurse does a huge amount of um good work but it's it's my advice really to any parent would be to have the child's eye test um, as, as soon as possible and regular eye tests as well um, from five years of age up to 10 years of age uh, every every year um, and f- more if the optometrist recommended it. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business law practice located in the heart of Newry City. We provide legal advice and representation to individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries on an assortment of legal matters which can affect a business such as corporate, commercial, employment, dispute resolution, regulatory and compliance. We focus on providing legally sound, commercial and practical advice to our clients. To get in touch, contact 02830 262200 or visit uk to find out more about the firm and our services. So what difference do you see or what difference does it make to a child when their eyesight is corrected? Well, um, a number of years ago I did a, a, a project in a school and um, it was a it was a screening project in school, and there were there were um, twenty seven um, P five children, and there were only two that were wearing glasses. And when the project was finished, there were thirteen more needed glasses. Gosh! So, um, and it's just something that it's very often overlooked um, if a child is underachieving in school, and. Um, the test that I do is, is you know, it's looking like things like eye movements. So if a, if a child has poor eye movements, it's very, you know, they are generally would be the chi- child that might use their finger or won't use their finger or lose their place when they're reading. Mm-hmm. Or 
um, jump words or actually not even see the words because of other issues. And, uh, and how much of your work is, is centred around that and the young people? Well, um, I probably would be doing the equivalent of about um, two days a week now. Um, uh, and I've done, or, you know, we've done a sort of a, probably what I would like to do in it when I retire is finish off a research project that I started a number of years ago and haven't finished. But um, um, it's just something that um, I would have a passion for and, you know, Lee Opticians would have a passion for as well. And Jack, you must be very proud of your dad and, you know, having that sense of purpose and that sense of wanting to make a difference. What do you see from your customers whenever they come in and the eyesight has improved, the school works improved? That must be lovely. Yeah, it's a following the journey from all those years ago that, 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 that I, like I still know the first patient that dad did this visual stress clinic with Um you know, it's 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 fascinating. Even from the moment you're speaking to someone, even on the phone, and you're talking about what work's done, um, and what the visual stress, you know, what it involves, to s- seeing the parent that day. Best way it describes in some cases pure. Fl- flabbergasted at the difference is that right yeah like it's and it's and for the child too yeah and the, well a lot of children are they're sort of innocent to it all that the what they see is what they see is normal um and then when they either get this colored lens or you know eye exercises advised and when they see things improved like they are they're different people and it, it's you do be proud that it's dad that's put so much time and effort into, you know, basically changing children's lives, really. And then, Michael, what's the research project that you're going to try and get finished? Um, well, just to <coughs> further add to what Jack was saying there, I think it's uh, when, when an, an awful lot of children see that they have a visual issue that has been undetected, um, it's a big confidence builder for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they realise it's not a, you know, they, very often children feel that they're stupid or whatever. So it's 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 a big it's a big big confidence builder for them to um, to see that there is something going on that's not their fault, you know. And it's also um, it's mind blowing for the parent to understand that you know God, there we there's something here that's maybe that we haven't seen before, you know. Well, I'm sure that's so interesting to, to so many people tuning in today um, and even interesting to hear how eye exercises, not necessarily yeah. always glasses or an mm. operation, but mm. but eye exercises yeah. could make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Jack, tell us what else you do at Lee's then. So it's not just children. No, we um, other so we obviously do, you know, contact lenses um you know your sunglasses, things like that. But the probably the newest and most in in my time, the very exciting thing now is just with the advancements of technology is, um, is a night lens. Um, which, a night lens. Yeah. So, mm. but best way to describe it is uh, 
contact lens that is sort of tailor-made for you through what the technology is, is the scan that we would do. Um, and this lens is uh, made that the patient wears at night time and then takes it out um, in the morning and their vision's corrected. I can't get my head around yeah. that. So when you're sleeping, yeah. your vision is correcting. Yeah. How does that work? In Laban's terms. Yeah. So basically the front of the lens is 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 designed for the patient. So the lens is matching the curvature of the patient's eye. Um so when they when they sleep the lens is actually um flattens, flattens the front of the front of the eye and then that's altering you know, changing the vision back to perfect vision. Now it is only suitable for those who are short sighted, so uh, like minus prescription because okay. of the shape of the mm-hmm. eye. But no it's very but well, you, you'd have to, you know, you, you have to wear the contact lenses every night. Okay. You know, so you're, you're training the eye. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but it's a sort of a, you know, a long term thing. So, um, if you took the con- if you took the night lenses out, and left them out, it w- you would return to your normal uh, short sightedness after a period of time. So it's a bit like a retainer for a yeah. teeth. You have to, yes, to keep. Exactly. That. Um, yeah. and can you can you train it, or is it something that you you wear forever? It's something that you wear forever. Forever, right? okay. Yeah, it just yeah. becomes. But something. It, it means that throughout the day, though, you can be you, contactless. Yeah, contact lens free. Contact that would be free. amazing for people. Yeah. Have you brought that in yet? Yeah, we're. I think we're about what month are we in now? Six months. Yeah, yeah it's about six months, and so it's, you know, it's it's a wee bit like what Dad does in a way, mind blowing to people that, um, top of my head, uh. We a lad that was in and glasses and you know football you know he plays football but didn't like the goggles and tried the contact lenses and loved the idea of the contact lenses but struggled a wee bit putting them in and out mm, and then, it's a hassle yeah, isn't it um, and then got this night lens so when he's asleep maybe less aware that you know while he's asleep he's wearing it but the smile on his face the the first night that he was worn was was fantastic. Really, see. so yeah. it was even after that one night some, he saw a difference. Yeah, some people can see a difference with one night, just depend on the prescription. But no, it's it's mind blowing. That is absolutely fascinating. Would that be quite pricey? Not re- no. Um, Compared to having your contact lenses, no, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be too much in mm-hmm. it to be honest. And then if you're playing sport, that must give such freedom. Yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So that's, I suppose, a lot of people are looking at maybe laser surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something that you're able to offer and something different. So just, this is the yeah. big trend at the minute. Yeah, it's just with the way they've improved technology, gives people, uh, people are in control. Um, whether, you know. I think it's going to be a big trend. Yeah. You know, isn't it? And will you ever see it being offered to those who are long-sighted or with different prescriptions? Um, we're probably the wrong people to ask, but I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. No, but um, it's early days yet. Innovation you know? and advancements. Yeah. It's yeah. just incredible where where you're heading next. What about those people who seem to have a different pair of glasses to match every single outfit? Yeah. They're a real fashion statement. They are. Um, like the, they really are. And like the like people, we do have people who, you know, there's some people who like, buying shoes there's 
you know, handbags, football boots. There is people we would get regular people who, you know, would be in, you know, two or three times a year. You know, just because the the there weren't more so when people are wearing them all the time. You know, like really, they're not going to be wearing the same coat every day. You know, people do like having the option of uh, various colours and styles. And I suppose that's that's been the same throughout history. You've had all sorts of even monocles, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of things. And I know my mum was recently uh, in getting her eyes tested and um, she needed new glasses. And the whole Deirdre Barlow look was all back in. And I sort of said, Mum, I don't know really whether that's the look for you. But the young ones are all going back to the sort of yeah. 70s looks. You've mm. maybe seen them yeah. before, Michael. Yeah, um, certainly. Um the Dirty Barlow look years ago was, was just phenomenal. Every but every single person was, was getting And the glasses you know, took up yeah. the whole face, yeah, yeah. really. But Jack probably wouldn't remember that, but I <laughs> Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, but um yeah, it's just different trends, you know, and then you know it's So are they back? I think I, th- I think so, yeah. But and the Dirty Barlow range what there was there was a one of the frames that she wore, the, it was available in something like 30 different colours, you know, at the time. But Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it was like the, the Jennifer Aniston haircut, the Deirdre Barlow glasses. Right, they were yeah, just such a yeah. fashion statement. And, and then it was like, nobody should ever wear those yeah, again. Yeah. And then they've come back. Well, I, I do. We would try to get over. The, there's always like uh, an optical show over at the Excel in London. Yeah. Um, around February time, I think. And like the... The differences you see even in a year is it's, it's quite mad actually how how designers of frames can you know change the look or add stuff to bigger smaller rounder more square yeah. have you got a favorite make or designer um i like a gucci and tom ford probably mm. personally classic yeah yeah what yeah. about you michael um, I don't know. I don't. Well, um, Ray Bans are always very popular. You know, young people. Tom Ford, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we would do a lot of Tom Ford glasses, sunglasses. Um, but there's so many different different makes nowadays, and as Jack has said earlier on about the different uh, brands. But there are different brands to say different age groups as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. that's very important. And I wish everybody could actually see you because you've both got beautiful <laughs> frames on. We'll we'll take a picture and we'll put it up on our social media so people can go and check out uh, your glasses. Um, what's it like working together, Jack? Yeah, look, it's I love it. Um, you know, <laughs> Michael's now shaking his head. <laughs> no, your body language is not matching the <laughs> message there, Jack. No, it's it is it's. It's on un- like it is unusual, um, you know. A lot, a lot of my friends and stuff, you know, their their bosses or people, maybe they don't really know. They can get away from. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think like at dinner and stuff, um, in the house, we wouldn't we tried not to talk too much of work. So you live together as well. Well, not I'm married there last year, so. So you've flown Not, the nest now. Yeah. Um, okay. So, no, it's it is good, and it I I love the 
being able to get dad's advice has been a big thing for me mm-hmm. and with regards to everything and then work as well like so having dad especially not in the house now and then seeing getting to see dad every day is definitely a bonus of working with him now as well and then seeing him in a different way than than dad you know seeing him as someone that you you really admire and respect and you know northern ireland is built on family businesses is this something that you look forward to developing going forward yeah like i huge passion i would have a huge passion for continuing what dad's done and where dad's taken the practice practices um you know, and I'm just I'm just fascinated. I was always fascinated with business, um, in itself. Uh, but just seeing what Dad's done with Lee's itself, looking very excited what the future does hold. And Michael, you've already talked. You you mentioned the 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 R word, the retirement word. But you know, how long do you think you'll be staying at the helm, and at what point do you step back a little bit? Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to say, but. Um, just going back on what you were saying there about working with it, it's it's actually very good for a parent to work with their son. Why? Um, well, I think they bring in, you know, they see th- they see things that maybe I wouldn't notice. Um, they have um, certainly Jack has has a huge enthusiasm for the business, and um, it's takes the pressure off me and it gives me more of more enthusiasm you know to you know to, to help out but also as well to to realize that it's a fantastic feeling to know that the business is going to continue on yeah you know so how many children do you have um four four so, so, three so was, girls. This, was this always something that you'd hoped would happen well you, you don't you don't like to push any of your children into into to any profession but um i think jack from a very early age did show an interest in optics and um he was helping out in the you know as he said earlier on in the in the in the workshop and he did he did other things but he 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 probably has seen where you know you know as you get a little bit older you get a little not as much tired it's very hard to uh, as an older person to sort of run the business there's an awful lot of um things that are very difficult you know running the staff and you know hr and mm-hmm. everything else that goes with it and um so it's it's it, you know a business like ours needs you know young people to, to bring it on so retirement probably hopefully very soon but i'd still want to work in the school vision end of things for another two or three years. Oh, yes, there's still a lot of work to do there. Um, How how big a team do you have? We have, well, by July, I think we'll have 15 or 16. Gosh, it's really growing. And is that part of the plan? It is part of, it's definitely part of the plan. Um, Within the last year, well, I actually say probably after COVID, um, it's it's really taken off and not eased um so it's definitely from covid you felt that although we haven't been literally short staffed it feels that we are now because of just how busy you know 
the three practices have become. Um, so between January of this year and uh, July of this year, we'll have added four professional staff, um, which is it allows um, you know it allows the flow of the business to work better as well. Absolutely. And how popular would you say this is as a career at the minute? Because I know other sectors are struggling to recruit staff. It's, it's it would be very popular uh, career at the minute. But having said that, it was it's been very difficult recruiting these four people. Why is that? Um, just you know. Is it the local nature as well? Is it Pro- finding people in the area? Yeah, probably, um, probably that. Uh, no, I think I think all our staff as well too, you know, are local. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, uh, it's a, it sounds like a lovely job, and yeah. and and then you're able to stay in this beautiful area as well. Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot to be said for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe if there's anybody tuning in today, or they have young ones and they're yet to decide on a career path, why would you sell this as a career path? Um, it's a very very nice career for male or female. Um, it's there's a little bit of everything in it. There's a bit of management. There's a bit of fashion. There's a bit of business. Um, there's a bit of there's a medical end of it. It's actually a much broader field than than you would think. Um, you know whether it's you become a sort of a you know. A, a medical doctor who's trained in eyes or you become an optometrist or an orthoptist uh, who's a person who works in a hospital with dealing with children with squints um there's a there's a big area of research as well mm. too so it's a it's a much bigger field than people would imagine and different lengths of time to complete the different yeah. qualifications as yeah. well well it does sound very exciting um you've, you're also award-winning tell mm. us about some of the things that you've been doing um, most recently, we were lo- very lucky to be shortlisted uh, last year at the Newry Chamber of Commerce um, Awards, um, and then we w- we won be- best health practice. Um, so we were very proud to very proud to be recognised mm-hmm. um, because of all the hard work over the years, and again, just what dads where dad's brought leads it's on a night like that it's great you know for a room full of people to be walking up with your name on the screens and you know just recognize as being um a bit with an award and what about what do you think michael lee would make of what you've actually done and have you any plans to change the name at any point i i, I don't think so um well i suppose it'll be up to um when Whenever I retire, well, Jack and um, one of the optometrists in the practice, Brian McKibben, will be <coughs> um, taking over. But I, I would think that um, the name is the name is good, um, yeah. and it'll be. Um, it's very hard to change if a business has been the same name for seventy five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like the. Was it the big pen or the the hell? It's exactly the same, whatever. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And Jack's nodding his head there. No, so I, no plans to change. No, I, I, I think it would. No, I, I think it would, it would definitely wouldn't do that. Just the opticians itself is renowned in the South Down, uh, whole of Down, South Armagh, Armagh areas is, you know, very well 
established practice. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And Michael, you must be so proud of all of all the awards you're winning. Um, yeah, the, I suppose the the award that probably um, should mention was we got UK uh, Dispensing Optician of the Year in 2012. Wow, that is incredible! But, Congratulations. Um, that was, and it was for work done with the with the school vision. So, yeah. where did you go for that? Uh, it was in London. Fabulous. Michael, how much have you seen what you do and the way you work change over the last 40 years? Um, The biggest change really is uh, technology. Um, Scanning machines for the back of your eye, um, equipment for uh, making spectacle lenses, uh, the precision. uh, I suppose one of the things that that, um, we would notice, we certainly noticed this last 10 years or so would be the amount of um, people that have dry eye um, because of um, maybe using maybe using computers a lot. Um, oh, right, really? Yeah. Um, not uh, air conditioning in cars, um, not blinking enough, but there's certainly been a huge um, transformation in, in, in visual problems because of screens and iPads and so forth. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So um, we, <coughs> you know, we would we, we would see a lot of, um, certainly would see a lot of children that have sort of, uh, sort of muscle issues because they're just looking at screens all the time. Uh, we would, um, probably one of the things that we would notice hugely would be that we would sell a huge amount of dry eye products, uh, like eye drops, um, uh, aftercare, we, we uh, a number of years, well, two or three years ago, we started to specialise in dry eye. And a lot of optometrists throughout Northern Ireland would specialise in, in dry eye. So, um, and that is as a result of um, iPhones, iPads. Gosh, so we're not going to see a massive big compensation claim <laughs> in a few years' time. Um, well, I, I, no, I wouldn't say that, but it's just that, you know, I think it's very important that, um, you know, children, parents are aware, aware that children need to be outside playing mm-hmm. as much as possible at it, you know, don't to get their eyes away from screen, screens whenever they can. And can dry eye improve? Well, or once one, you have one of the reasons why we do have dry eye is basically we're not blinking enough. Children aren't blinking enough. Gosh. Um, and... Um, Hmm? Adults as well. Adult, adult, adults as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're we're all on our screens all the seven, time. Seven, eight hours a day, and it's a wee bit. Um, and also as well, Jack had spoke about it earlier. Um, different things coming in for short sightedness, and the one of the reasons why we have young people becoming short sighted is because of screens. There, it's a sort of a. It's going to be like a myopia pandemic or short sighted. Pandemic. Oh my goodness, are you listening to this, everybody? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Step away from the screens and the phone and get out in the fresh air and blink. Yeah. yeah. And, and another another thing um, with regards to change, um, and I can only go from, you know, my relatively short time within Lee's is that we we do get a lot, more so because because of the visual stress clinic it's advanced the business in that I think that's seen people b- 
booking in for appointments from 11 different countries the furthest being D- Dubai no we've had um, somebody from Canada from somebody from the States and we've had somebody from believe it or not Turkey so um, and these are people who are now living in Northern Ireland or no, they've, they, they've, they've, they, they're, they're, they probably all have had connections with relatives in Ireland goodness but they've come over especially you know, so, really yeah my goodness, the reach has yeah, been incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's a need there. Yeah. So can you not patent yeah. that or copyright that or something? Yeah. No, it's Hold just that it's that. just that it's just if you do, it's it's something that I feel very passionately that education and um, our own profession need to communicate better. So. Well, you know, you've got that real sense of that, you know, you're making a difference and that you can make a difference. Yeah. And that's really lovely when you when you have that at the core of everything that you do. Um, what do you do in your spare time then? Do you hang out together or do you get as far away from each, no. each other as possible? <laughs> we, we play both members of One Point Golf Club. Lovely. Um, so, well, mum's mum retired as a teacher in June. So mum's basically become a full-time golfer and dad's got more into the golf um well his dad's always played golf but him and mum would play on a monday i'm off now on a monday so i'm joining <laughs> but no we play golf even on holiday so far away together um, you'll have a bit more time to golf michael yeah well i suppose um i would you know play golf okay Walk a bit, swim a bit, um, and um, so you probably like to do a little bit of travel as well too, as you you know. But absolutely, mm. especially because we were locked down for so long, and then yeah. you feel the need to mm-hmm. to fly a little bit. What would you say have been the biggest lessons for you over the years? You know, the highs and the lows. What have you found the most challenging part of running your own business and doing the work that you do? I think it's very difficult for a small business to compete uh, when there are so many things that have to be checked. Um, you know, HR is one of them. Um, you know, um, sort of treating staff properly and mm-hmm. uh, knowing what to do, uh, following procedures. Um, there's, uh, it's very, very difficult for a small business to compete against a, a you know multiple, so they have people that are doing things for them. So that's the thing that I personally find challenging and find it very sort of that end of the business very sort of tiring. Um, I do still love the, the you know the day to day you know day to day business dealing with I like I like working with people, mm-hmm. and certainly like the um, my own you know my own personal. Um, dealings with the children that I uh, work with so school vision but it's 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 very the, the actual optical job itself whether you're optometrist dispensing optician it's a very rewarding job mm-hmm. well I suppose when you are a small business it, it is difficult if you don't have certain skills in other places yeah. that can just bring people in but is that the secret do you always bring people in to do jobs um, that you don't do and you get better people into your organisation? Is that something you see? Yeah, I think definitely in terms of the marketing and, you know, digital marketing, I, like, it's, you know, I helped start our social media pages and 
know, but even even social media now is gone a different level. And does it work though? It, yeah, no, it, it definitely does. Um, but like we have, we're lucky. We're very lucky. Um, Hannah, my youngest sister, would would be in, um, on a Saturday morning helping reception, but during the week she's scheduling posts and. I'm sure the Instagram is very popular. It's so visual. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's and um, have to a shout out as well for Nicole, who is our lab technician and work. Um, she part of her role is creating the content, so all the images are done by Nicole, which you know the lighting, uh, lighting's so, so important. important. Absolutely, <laughs> has to look professional. Yeah, so, but she, like between Hannah and Nicole, and we've actually. A cousin of mine, then Richard, who overlooks both of them with regards to marketing, I think they've brought it to a, a new level. Now. Well, Jack and Michael, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Lee Opticians. This is the question I ask everyone at the end. So what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Jack. I Personally, I would, you know, have the confidence to go with it um you know believe in yourself get as much advice you know from whatever channels as possible um be it if you've had part-time jobs before um look at the role of the manager or the owner and see how what they're doing um to, to, to be successful and also um Things like if you happen to be on committees, you know, people, there might be people on committees that can lay in good advice. So definitely don't put it to one side and, you know, have the confidence to, to look into it and believe in yourself. Okay. And then, Michael, same question to you, because you obviously took a risk way back when you decided to become a partner, but then you took on the business on your own. That was a risk. Yes, it was. Um, I think... If I was giving advice to anybody, it would be to give the business time. Um, I think you really need to give any new business two years at least. Um, there are a lot of, you see businesses open and within sort of six months or a year they close. Mm-hmm. And very often it's, um, it, it just takes a little bit of time for people to know who you are, to to get a feel for your business what you're doing and to know that you're you're going to be sort of maybe adding a service or but I just that would be my opinion would be just to give it a bit more time so when you're giving it time are you adjusting and tweaking it during that time or do you stick to your guns no absolutely but I think if you if you have a project or if you have an idea and you believe in it um just give it give it time um Hang in there. Hang in there, yeah. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I think people are too quick to to give up. Mm-hmm. And you, you just have to be, you have to be a little bit stubborn. 
two years at least, a bit stubborn and hang in there. Great advice to end the Public Eye podcast. Enjoy the next chapter, Michael, whatever that uh, brings. Keep up the great work. And Jack, good luck with Lee's Opticians. No plans to change the name for the future. Thank you so much to Michael and Jack for joining me today. Joining me next time on the Public Eye podcast, I'll be talking to Managing Director of Mitso Marketing, Maeve Finnegan. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.